0: Hello, this is Gary Burgess, and welcome to episode 10 of The Emmy Show, supported by the Emmy Association. It's the podcast that aims to raise awareness and understanding of this illness. I really must start this episode with an apology. If you've been listening to these podcasts in real time, you'll have been expecting this one a few weeks back. So why the delay? Well, I've had something of a boom and bust few weeks. I've been trying to ease myself back into some kind of part-time work. And finding a balance that works for me is proving tricky. I'm sure there'll be some listening thinking, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt... And I hope you'll forgive me for taking longer than I imagined to get this episode sorted. But here we are. It is the last in this series, and it's one that I hope gives you a sense of hope. Last month, there was a three-hour debate at Westminster among MPs all about ME. Carol Monaghan was the MP who made it happen. She's proving something of a political powerhouse when it comes to fighting our corner. And this is just the latest in her myriad efforts on all our behalves. Now, either watching or listening to a three-hour political debate can be heavy going. So, I've done that on your behalf. What you're about to hear is around 20 minutes of the debate. It features highlights of most of the speeches and should give you a flavour of what was said Going back to that hope word then, it certainly gave me hope. Hope that there are people in positions of power who get what we're saying. Yes, it's happening too slowly for anybody's liking, but it is progress and it is significant. So here goes with the highlights of a Westminster debate dedicated to raising awareness of Emmy.
1: Order, order, Carol Monaghan to move the motion.
2: It's estimated that around a quarter of a million people in the UK suffer from myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME, which costs the UK around £3.3 billion per annum. While the exact cause of the disease is unknown, numerous patients report that their ME has developed following a viral infection. ME is characterised by flu-like symptoms which can vary in severity from headaches and muscle aches to debilitating pain, extreme sensitivity to light and sound, and memory and concentration problems.
1: The question is that this House has considered myelagic encephalomyelitis. Sir Ed Davis. I think it's absolutely essential uh, that we speak for the millions missing. The real concern I have is that the nice guidelines uh, that are being reviewed, and it's great that they are, that review is going to take some time. It's going to take a long time. I'm sure that's the right process, Mr. Rosendale, because we have to get this right. We have to make sure that the voice of ME sufferers is heard, the scoping working groups that have been set up where ME sufferers have been able to participate. That is all really welcome. But... The idea that the current NICE guidelines are in practice till October 2020, I find quite scary. Because I've listened to my constituents and I've read about uh, other honourable and members constituents and they feel, if they are prescribed that and they go through that, they feel it has made them more ill. Far from helping them, it has actually made them deteriorate. Indeed, I have a constituent who feels that Uh, the the exercise that she was put through, the programme she was put through, set her back two or three years. Michael Tomlinson. Mr. Rosendale, I'm particularly
3: pleased to contribute to this debate um, as a patron of the Dorset ME Support Group. Dorset ME Support Group's chairman, Peter Bennett, has been hugely helpful in setting out the challenges that ME sufferers have and face uh, in Dorset. And much of the knowledge uh, that they come from comes from the work that's done in the community uh, in Dorset. Mr. Ossendale, there are nearly 400 members spread not just in my constituency but across the whole county. Uh, And the group provides practical support to their members, uh, friends and family. And I'm just going to highlight three uh, ways that practical support is given. Firstly, uh, there there are local link groups um, offering informal venues for members to meet and socialise. There's an annual medical lecture Um, And in addition, there's telephone support and personal one-to-one support from a self-care coordinator. And it's quite a feat how active the group is, uh, given the charity was set up in 1983, uh, and relies on only two part-time employees, as well as, of course, a number of volunteers.
4: Dr. David Drew. To start with the issue of medical education... Uh, it is quite clear that GPs in particular have no experience on how to diagnose this disease. So there is a need for training at both undergraduate and postgraduate level to make sure that doctors become more aware of what the condition looks like and ways in which they could begin to treat it. The continuing lack of medical education really adds, as I said, to the misery that uh, constituents have faced. So it, it, it behoves, dare I say, the minister, and I know he will be tied in the number of things he can say, but to say something about the training programmes that we would expect our doctors to go through. And again, it is vital that this is understood not just at the level of junior doctors, but all the way up through the profession. Alex Chalk.
5: It is a forgotten illness, and I think it's forgotten really for two reasons. First, because the symptoms are, relatively speaking, uh, intangible. And second, because it has been disparagingly referred to in the past by something that, that stuck, a name that stuck, and the Honourable Lady referred to it as yuppie flu. And so the reason why I think it's important that we debate today is not because there aren't other illnesses out there. Of course there are but because the sufferers, some of whom we see here in the public gallery today, have been voiceless for too long. And it is for Parliament to give them their voice. With this opportunity, let's begin by slaying some myths. And the first myth is this yuppie flu point. It is a thing. M-E is a thing. The US Institute of Medicine published a report in 2015 which analysed over 9,000 scientific articles about ME. What did it conclude? The primary message of this report, it stated, is that ME stroke CFS is a serious,
6: chronic, complex and systemic disease. Jim Shannon. ME is a chronic, fluctuating neurological condition that causes symptoms that, that physically affect many body symptoms. Uh, systems, more commonly the the nervous and immune system, and affects an estimated 250,000 adults, as others have already said as well. And children in the UK don't just think this is an adult uh, um, problem or or illness, because it is not. There are approximately 7,000 people with ME in Northern Ireland, and some 17 million worldwide. Uh, very few of the hospital-based ME services provide a domiciliary home visiting service for people who are unable to attend an outpatient department. There is now only one hospital service that is dedicated inpatient beds for the assessment and management of people who require a hospital admission to a ward where the staff of experience in dealing with this condition. Specialist uh, services for ME are scarce and under-resourced, as many have said. The situ- situation is, I am ashamed to say, in relation to Northern Ireland, my own home nation, um, that there are no services in Northern Ireland, which makes it all the worse. Uh, we have a non functioning assembly uh, as, as many will know, and it means that the, of, of trying to initiate something to happen is even more difficult now than it, than it, than it has been in the past it 's my belief that the only way of getting the attention and dedication that is needed to treat ME is by saying that it 's correctly classified, and that, that is not what has happened up to this stage. On,
3: Harry McCarthy.
7: partly because constituents have been in touch and asked me to but also because I have a very good friend who's been affected by ME since about the age of 15 and she's in her early 40s now and when I say affected by ME that means that she uh, didn't go on to college, she has never held a job, she isn't at the worst end of the spectrum of severity but I think I could probably best describe her condition as just almost constantly feeling rough. So it's like either having flu or migraines or aches and pains and just being aware of that. Obviously, it's, it's one thing to read up on the condition or to hear um, accounts from constituents that come to see me. And I've had constituents both with ME and fibromyalgia, um, which is a similar condition, um, Come and talk to me. But when you've got a very close friend and you know that every time you try to make a social engagement, it will always be, well, Lucy will come if she's up to it that day. And, um, you know, we're all planning to watch the football together on Sunday... We won't know till the morning whether Lucy is actually well enough, and half the time when she does come along, you can tell that she's actually struggling through a migraine or through flu. Um, but she just desperately wants to see her, her friends, and it really does bring home to you um, just how debilitating a condition this is. And as the Honourable Member for Cheltenham said, it's that cumulative effect. You know, people make such... A big deal of having a cold, or you know, or just feeling a bit under the weather, or feeling hungover, and this is just like feeling like that for most of the time. And obviously, um, there are other people that um, are completely bedridden, um, can't bear to lights, and that. I had. Um, uh, a member of staff whose um, younger brother came to her wedding in a wheelchair because he had ME. So it affects people in many ways. But I think in some ways the the cruelest impact of it is the fact that people are not believed.
8: Stephen Kerr. It's been upsetting for me to hear how many people, including those in the medical profession, are unaware or just lacking in detail of understanding of ME. Um, Many persist in believing that this disease is some form of mental illness or a neurological disorder. And indeed a constituent in Stirling told me as recently as 2011 they were told there is no such thing as ME after they had collapsed at work. And she has since been diagnosed with severe ME. And there are so many distressing stories about the treatment of people who are suffering from ME. Another of my constituents was told repeatedly by different doctors that her ME was a psychological problem and was referred on multiple occasions for psychological assessments. And it took her two and a half years to get a proper ME diagnosis.
9: Elvin Hopkins. I first became aware of ME some 30 years ago when I had two young relatives who, um, fairly close relatives, not in my immediate family, who uh, contracted ME um, and suffered for a long time during their childhood and youth. they have uh, much improved now but uh, I became aware of the lack of belief in ME by the medical professional um, because constantly they were told there was a psychological problem it wasn't a, wasn't a medical or physiological problem uh, and we now know better but unfortunately there have been uh, discredited research by, by Pace and, uh, and, and others no doubt which is now being I think uh, dismissed but not before time. But pe- you know, medical, the medical profession and indeed governments will grasp at things which uh, encourage them to do nothing not to take up some, uh, some, to do something which is very difficult. And dealing with it is very difficult. We've heard also from the honourable lady who's recently left. She's, she's the co-chair of the, the, the Lyme, Lyme disease group, which I also belong to because I had a very dear friend who suffered terribly from Lyme disease, was not diagnosed for years, and she suffered terrible psychological and, and physical problems. Marital breakup and so on, um, and if people are not diagnosed properly and not given the proper treatment and indeed sympathy, then they then they can suffer even worse than than, than, than uh, their disease.
10: Uh, Liz McKinnis. Now, Marin Crofts is one of just two people in the UK who have been given a diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis as a cause of death. She was my constituent and she lived in Norden, in the Rochdale area of the Hayward and Middleton constituency. I spoke with her mum, Claire, this week, who told me that the reports about Marion in the newspapers didn't really cover the whole of Marion's condition. And Claire wanted to be here today to hear the debate but could not travel to London because of a new baby in the family. So I hope that she is able to watch this debate back home in Rochdale and I send my best wishes to her and to the new baby. Merrin met all the diagnostic criteria set by NICE and by the Canadian consensus criteria for a diagnosis of ME stroke CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. Merrin was totally bedbound. She physically could not get out of bed. She suffered so badly from postural hypertension that she blacked out if placed in a sitting position or even if her bed was raised slightly. She was hypersensitive to noise, light, touch and movement. She suffered so badly from pain, head, muscle, neurological, stomach pain that she could not get out of bed. Her GP said that she herself had worked in a hospice for 10 years looking after cancer patients, and that in that job, she couldn't always take away pain, but she could manage pain. But the GP said that in Merrin's case, her pain was unmanageable. Although Merin was on dimorphine and ketamine, she was still in pain. And any kind of stimulus, even just a nurse walking into the room, was an exertion to Merin. Merrin was permanently on syringe drivers and receiving injections. She was permanently nauseous. The terms ME and chronic fatigue syndrome are often used interchangeably, but Merrin's mum tells me that fatigue was the least of Merrin's symptoms and that in her view, the use of the term chronic fatigue syndrome should be abandoned as myalgic encephalomyelitis is so much more than just fatigue
11: emmy affects uh, in plymouth uh, between 500 and one and a half thousand people and i agree with the sentiments that have been expressed by so many people in, in this chamber today that it does not get the amount of attention it deserves many cases because of the stigma that has been attached to it for far too long i've heard people shrug off this condition as, as being about being lazy or it being about something in people's heads And attacking the stigma and those people who peddle that stigma needs to be an important part of how we build the case for proper action on ME. I put on my Facebook page uh, a few days ago uh, that I wanted to speak in this debate, and I asked for stories from people in Plymouth. And I've done this before in a number of different debates, and what has always struck me is the levels of honesty and directness that comes from people simply telling their story and there was one word that came through a number of times in nearly all the posts on that Facebook page and on my Twitter, and that was about feeling invisible. That's those people with ME feeling that they're not believed, that their condition doesn't matter, and that nothing is being done about it. Jules wrote to me saying, Just getting up the stairs lays me out for hours. Having a shower leaves me laid, on the dark, uh, laid out in a darkened room. I can't work anymore. Believe me, it's not for the want of trying. I can't do drama, rock choir, or Zumba. In fact, just making a cup of tea leaves me exhausted as Zumba used to. I lay alone at home. I live vicariously through Facebook. I still get out when I can, but it will usually cost me days or weeks in bed if I do. I'm one of those lucky ones. I'm not totally bed-bound, but I pay for this with my invisibility. I look so well, no one can see my pain. I smile and I say I'm fine, and then I go back to bed. Stephen Pound.
12: One of the reasons why we supported so strongly this debate and this application to the Backbench Business Committee was not just because there is a crying need, at last, for some proper authoritative research, but because of the personality and the argument and the case that the Honourable Lady for North West Glasgow had made. She is not just a great humanitarian, but she is a scientist. She was a physics teacher, she's a pilot, she's a person who understands the importance of empirical evidence and data. She's a person who actually wants to see scientific evidence. And as somebody said on that occasion when we made the application... um, Encephalomyelitis is probably the illness with the worst ever public relations officer ever in the history of illness because there is no other illness which is so badly presented, about which there is so much nonsense spoken, about which there are so many stigmas and stereotypes. And one of the reasons I supported the Honourable Lady for Northwest Glasgow is because she's seeking to cut through all that nonsense, to actually get back to some proper, hard scientific evidence and move away from some of these dismissive, cruel and frankly painful comments that are made about people. I looked to the minister and I looked to my honourable friend on the front bench to say that today is the day here in June 2018 is where finally we started to take encephalomyelitis seriously and we stopped condemning people who suffer from this ghastly debilitating disease today is the day we said yes we understand the pain that people suffer yes we're going to do something about it yes we respect you yes we value you and yes today we're going to start investing in diagnosis analysis and
3: god willing cure thank you Minister Steve Bryan. The NIHR and the MRC are speaking with the UK CFSME Research Collaborative and the patient representatives about how they can best support a joined-up approach to high-quality research into this complex, complex disorder. I hope they will update colleagues about these discussions later in the year. And I just want to end with something that, um, that Jennifer said in the, in the unrest film, right at the very end of the film. She said, um, everything I've ever read um, about being poorly, is that you, you get sick and then you either get better or you, you die. Um, put, put another way, when you get sick, it always ends in triumph or tragedy. Uh, that's not my story. Not yet. That's how she put it. Thank you, Mr Gates.
5: Carol Monaghan to wind up.
2: To the ME community, uh, the members here have spoken passionately on your behalf. I don't see this as being the end. So... I I really once again thank everybody here this afternoon and the fight for the people with ME both here and across the world continues. The
1: question is that this house has considered myalgic encephalomyelitis treatment and research. As many as are of that opinion say aye. aye, of the contrary... No, I think the eyes have it.
0: And there you have it. You'll find a link to the whole debate in the show notes that accompany this podcast and there at meassociation.org.uk slash podcast. That's meassociation.org.uk slash podcast. And that's it for this series. I am aiming for a second series this autumn or winter time. The plan for the second series is a collection of deep interviews with medics and researchers at the front line trying to solve the riddle of ME. For now, thank you for... All your feedback during this series, your kind words, your support, your enthusiasm has all helped me tremendously. Please, 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 please share this whole series with everybody you know who may be interested. The more listeners, the better. Just search for The Emmy Show in iTunes on most podcast platforms. We're on Spotify as well. Or just share that link, Emmy Association .org.uk/podcast I'm Gary Burgess. This is the ME show and thank you for listening.